Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. The big game is back, and you know what that means. We get to bet on what color Gatorade will dunk the winning coach. Now, each of the last two years, the Bucks and the Rams have gone for blue. Three of the last four years, blue has been the winning color, and yet blue comes in as the second largest favorite this year at plus 390. At plus 200, you can get orange. At plus 400, you can get clear or watercolor. Yellow, green, slash lemon, lime, also at plus 400. Red is sitting at plus 600, and purple comes in at plus 1,000. All of your big game bets are available at Bet Online Sportsbook, and you can use our promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Using the link in the description to this episode, Bet Online, where the game starts. Welcoming back our friend of the show, host of the Red Rain podcast, writer of all sorts of wonderful content pieces on Revenge of the Birds, including a really cool one about Kyler Murray that he put out yesterday. That's Walter Mitchell. Hi, Walter. It's good to have you back. It's Super Bowl week. (laughs) I know that you've been waiting and waiting and waiting to see who the Cardinals coach is. And then it got to the day before the Super Bowl and you were like, yeah, we can uh, we can talk about the rest of the NFL. (laughs) Yeah, well, Super Bowl weekend, really excited about it. Got, um, you know, the top teams in both conference squaring off in Glendale, Arizona. Um, interesting stat for stat geeks is that whoever wins the Super Bowl will have had more wins at State Farm Stadium than the Cardinals. <laughs> <laughs> they Cardinals had one, and the Eagles and Chiefs both won this year at State Farm. So whoever wins will have. To win. Yeah, no, my favorite my favorite joke is that a team wearing red and white can only win in Arizona when the Super Bowl's hosted there. And, oh, uh, man. Uh, see, now you're getting me early. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and they also happen to have <laughs> the greatest quarterback in the history of the NFL, or at least in my lifetime. We can statistically back up that the best quarterback ever happens to play in red and white in Arizona this weekend. Well, the best active quarterback now after Brady retired. And I mean, Mahomes is uncanny. He's just got such a, you know, kind of a ESP um, ability to kind of see things quickly and shuffle his feet. Yeah, Brady is a lot of like that. He doesn't have quite the as quick the triggers as Mahomes, but Brady's subtle footwork um, to avoid pressure and then ability to see downfield and make plays was made him special. And this is Mahomes. I mean, he is so special. But you know, I was thinking the other day, and um, I I kind of think this is true. I I think the most dynamic offensive player um, in the NFL right now is Kelsey, the tight end. I mean, he's unstoppable. He and Mahomes are unstoppable. I mean, you double him, you triple him. I don't, 
he just has such an incredible knack of getting open. And, you know, and oftentimes it's like there's not anyone close and you know they're paying attention to him. Defenses are, it's, it's uncanny. And uh, the guy's a touchdown machine. He's a red zone, you know, magnet. Um, boy, is he, is he good. I mean, and then, of course, he's squaring off against his brother, and that's another great, uh, you know, subplot of this. Uh... So what do you like in this game? Well, my, my philosophy is always bet on red. Uh, even, if you're, even if you get it wrong every now and again, you're going to be right way, off, way more often than you're going to be wrong. It's <laughs> always, always will bet on red. And I have a special connection to Patrick Mahomes, and I want good things for that man because he brings, <laughs> he brings a lot of fun to football for me. And, uh, you know, when, uh, when I, back in 2018, when he first burst on the scene, I was in between teams. We were two years removed from the chargers leaving San Diego and us throwing eggs at their team building on the way out the door. And, uh, Patrick <laughs> Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes came in and I'm like, this is fun. I'm going to root for this now. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, in five years, if you started rooting for Mahomes, the, the year I did in 2018, uh, you would have seen five AFC championships in five years, and the Chargers have had four AFC championships in 62 years. <laughs> so uh, I want good things for Kansas City, and I'll bet on Kansas City, even though I totally understand why the Eagles are favored and why the Eagles might probably win that game on Sunday. Just And uh, to, your, to your point about Kelsey, I think that he's right in that group at the top. And it's really interesting because the people who his peers, shall we say, in terms of the, the most versatile offensive players in football, like his peers all do different things than him. And so when I look at Kelsey, it's like of people built like Kelsey and do things similar to Kelsey, there really is no comp now that Gronk isn't in the NFL anymore. And uh, I, uh, I would say Justin Jefferson and Devonte Adams are right there in that group. They just right. do things so differently than Kelsey. It's hard to compare them. Yeah, and I think because Kelsey just owns the middle of a football field. I mean, I've always said this since the days of Brady picking apart defenses, and I think that Brady really set a standard for how to attack the middle. To me, it's like the old Pac-Man games. You ever play Pac-Man? I have played Pac-Man before. I wouldn't say that I'm a Pac-Man enthusiast. Okay. Well, what one of the things you learn when you play Pac-Man is the best way to escape is through the middle and not up the sides. And, um, and I think that it, it translates over to NFL football. If you can, if you can, exploit the middle of the field offensively chances are you're going to do really well i mean the perimeters of course matters too no doubt when you have like a guy like adams and the thing about jefferson which makes him extra special is that you can put him anywhere on the football field and he can he's like a chameleon he can he can uh, you know beat you from the slot he can beat you from from um, either side of the field, you put him in motion, he can be you. I mean, he's uh, he is tremendous. Um, but with Kelsey, I mean, he, he's just like um, so slippery, so savvy. 
um, and so durable. I mean, dang, the guy plays super tough and hard. And he just, you know, gets up and keeps on ticking, um, taking a licking, and uh, can't stop him. He's, he's he's that good. Yeah, that's why he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. And yeah, the the interesting thing about what you're talking about with the outside players and working the outside, it's really good to work the outside when you know that you're just a better athlete than the people you're going against. Right. Like Tariq Hill, when he was in Kansas City, they were doing some of the same things where they were putting him in motion, lining him up in the slot, having him run over the middle. That works. And of course, they were having him on the outside going deep and running end arounds. It works when the person you have is just faster than everyone else or does something better than every than the people they're going up against. Right. When you don't have that, working the middle of the field is super helpful. And the, the connection between Mahomes and Kelsey probably helps that too, that they've just had hundreds of thousands of repetitions that have built yes. up that connection so that... When you get to the AFC championship game and it's fourth down and you're scrambling to your right, you just throw it up and Kelsey's in the end zone, 17 yards behind you. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, anytime you have that tandem, they're going to give you a great chance to win. What's fascinating to me, Kyle, about this game is the way that both defenses have been built um, via the draft. I mean, you know, the let's start with the Eagles. Uh, you know, this is pretty amazing. Is that you know, and how often do you see this? But in today's world in the NFL, if you can do this, I mean, you know, their almost their entire defense uh, um, has been drafted by them, um, and then you look over at the Chiefs. I mean, their draft this year was absolutely phenomenal. And you and I have talked about this on the Red Rain podcast, is that in today's world, when you're going to start paying quarterbacks, you know, taking quarterbacks taking like 46, 47 million off the salary cap, um, it, it behooves you to draft well and play younger players. And man, this this Kansas City draft is just extraordinary. I mean, and the fact that Steve Spagnolo just took those young kids and just inserted them and played them from the start. I mean, they the Chiefs played their first game at State Farm Stadium in week one against the Cardinals, and all these young kids were starting in the game. I'm like, oh my gosh, well, that gives us an advantage. Uh, except no, it didn't. I mean, Trent McDuffie, I just saw he was uh, on, uh, you know, a, a, a choice for the all-rookie team um, at slot corner. George Karlaftis, the edge player for Purdue, which a lot of people liked. You know, um, Sky Moore on offense. The, then Brian Cook, the safety who helped, uh, you know, create those one of those big interceptions. Um against the Bengals um, with Joshua Williams, you know, a fourth-round cornerback from Fayetteville State who's played (laughs) fantastic. I mean, Leo Chanel, the linebacker, went in the back end of the third round. I really liked him. What a baller he is. 
And then you had, um, you know, Jalen Watson, the other cornerback. I mean, all three of these D-backs, McDuffie, um, Cook, or four of them, Williams and Watson, they drafted four ballers in the secondary. These, these kids are playing like veterans. And then, of course, the kid Pacheco in the seventh round, a kid is... You know, and he's going to be featured in this game in the backfield for the Chiefs. He's been a revelation. What a draft. I mean, oh, my God. Um, mm -hmm. They should give raises to every one of their scouts, and but mostly to their coaches who were just really excited to play these kids. And um, I, hope, I hope the Cardinals play close attention to this because uh, – I don't feel like they play the Cardinals play their rookies quickly enough and get them in, you know, assimilated quick enough. So and in recent years, it's been made more difficult by the, you know, the off seasons affected by COVID and stuff, but, but man, oh man, got to give the chiefs credit um, for building this defense. I mean, here's what it looks like. I mean, you got in the interior, the only one who's not a homegrown player is uh, Frank Clark, who was picked up via trade with the Seahawks. But you mm -hmm. got you got Chris Jones, stud, taken in round two in 2016 at tackle. You have Karlaftis, the rookie, on one of the edges opposite Frank Clark. Then you got... Um, you know, uh, Derek uh, Neandi. Um, That's pronounced naughty. Naughty, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, he was a third rounder in, in 2018. There's your your four men up front. And linebackers, mm -hmm. Nick Bolton, round two, 2021. Leo Chanel, who's in and out. He's used a lot. Um yeah, round he's like the three. 12th player. Yeah. Yeah, he is. Willie Gay, round two in 2020. And then that backfield, we already just named four to go with the only one who's a little different. Well, and then they got the kid, um, Juan Thornhill, the safety. He was second rounder in 2019. But then the only one who factors in there is that they picked up from elsewhere was a um, free agent. They signed from the Texans in, in, um, in Justin Reed safety. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, amazing, right? I mean, wow. What are yeah. the way they built that? And that'll be the key in this game, which, which I think is fascinating because of what will the Eagles offense, this like, seemingly unstoppable unstoppable offense be able to do against their youth um in trying to exploit the chiefs um that's going to be a fascinating under the brightest of lights but then you have i mean I, if you're picking quarterbacks in this game you'd certainly give the edge to mahomes wouldn't you i mean he, as as good <laughs> as Hertz has been um you know uh, if Patrick Mahomes had one leg and one arm, I would give it to Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> Which he does have one leg, so <laughs> and he's got a hell of an arm. 
So you could take away his non-throwing arm and I would still give Patrick Mahomes the edge. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we thought the Eagles would be good this year, but did we think that Jalen hurts would go 16 and one Walter, when we were doing our preseason show, when we were talking about the divisions, you had the Eagles winning the division. And I looked up and I said, how is everyone pushing back against the Dallas Cowboys? Right. Yeah. And it's not like the Dallas Cowboys were bad this year. They went 13 and six, if you count the playoff games, right. 12 and five in the regular season. Cowboys are one of the five best teams this year. It's just that the Eagles were so much better than I could have anticipated. And I'm sure you're going to talk about the drafts for the Eagles here, too. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing is that, I mean, the Eagles put on an off-season clinic of how how you prepare and create a Super Bowl buzz, you know, during the off-season. I mean, the A.J. Brown trade um, got everyone's attention. And then the way they got right to work, A.J. Brown and and Jalen Hurts, I mean, the preparation they were putting in early on, I mean, that was – that reminded me of, you know, how tight um, Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup were the year before. And we saw how that dynamic duo carried them to a Super Bowl win or help. You know, they had plenty of help. But I mean, at the end to the Super Bowl, it was get the ball to Cooper Cup on every play. That's how they won the Super Bowl after Odell got hurt. Correct. And those two guys, Stafford and Cup, spent the whole year together. They ate together. They practiced on the side together. You know, they had breakfast together. They studied film together. You know, this is the wave of the NFL. You know, when you get quarterbacks locked in with receivers like that and the way that Hurts um, became immediately locked in with Brown um, is, uh, you know, um, is uh, is a boon. I mean for any team when you get that kind of chemistry. Um, and then, then, you know, I mean, but all the things that, I mean, their draft, the Eagles draft, it was an eye opener, you know, I mean, I mean, they, they did a tremendous job. I mean, I was just, just shocked at what they were able to come away with too, is that, um, you know, I mean, to come away with the big boy in the middle on defense to go with their already prolific defensive line um, was, oh, oh, my God. I was like, are you kidding me? They're, they're able right now to add Jordan Davis to that line. And, you know, he's had an up-and-down rookie year in and, in and out due to You You bring up a great point, which is think how crazy it is that they got the two best players in college football last year. They took Jordan Davis and N'Kobe Dean. Those two have barely been factors on the team and they're still in the Super Bowl. (laughs) Correct. And I love the the center they got Jurgens from Nebraska who's going to be next in line to take Kelsey's place. Um, the Cardinals really wanted Jurgens, and the Eagles snuck in there and got him in front of us, and we were really disappointed in that. Um, but uh, I mean, boy, they draft well. They're f- the, the savvy free agent. How about Bradbury as a free agent? Now, you and I had a great discussion 
I don't want to tip my cap to you because you were higher on Bradbury than I was. Um, when he was with the Giants, I saw him grabbing a lot. I thought he was a PI waiting to happen. But in Philly this year, he's been lights out. I mean, he's been really, really good. Of course, he's got that pass rush um, to to feed off of. Um, but, you know, Bradbury was a great pick. But the pickup of all was Hassan Reddick. I mean, who I saw just got came in second place for um, defensive player of the year behind Bosa. Mm-hmm. I just saw the the, the votes on that. Um it wasn't. I mean, Bosa practically. Yeah, Bosa ran him. away with it, but Hassan yeah. Reddick was second in sacks. Correct, and you know that's the Cardinals' all-time you know greatest error is ever letting you know first trying out Reddick as an inside linebacker was was a you know an yeah and buffoonery. And then um, it had taken so long for him to get to the edge. And then when he got to the edge, he started thriving. Instead, they let him walk in favor of keeping, you know, older veterans who are now. I think they signed A.J. Green to the same contract that they wouldn't give Hassan Reddick. It was like one year. <laughs> it was a oh one-year contract. But... Oh, man. See, oh, man. Yeah. Oh. I mean, I was saying the same thing the other day. Do you know how crazy it is that Hassan Reddick, after they finally moved him to the edge, 10 sacks in three different places, and they all, I mean, two of them just let him walk out the door. Arizona, 10-sack season, walked out the door. Carolina, 10-sack season, walked out the door, gets to the Eagles, and he is what he is now. Right. Um, And his fourth year in Arizona was 12.5 sacks. Mm Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's amazing how Cardinal fans are like, you just argue with success. Like so many fans were just saying, yeah, but he had five in one game. And I'm saying, like, that doesn't get your attention. Well, it diminishes the rest of it, you know. Because Are you <laughs> kidding me? <laughs> I mean, you got a guy who can get five sacks in one game and you want to – discredit that congratulations he only gets 11 sacks instead of 12 and a half therefore he's not worth any kind of contract at all (laughs) yeah and then you know you're playing 34 outside linebacker he was in coverage a lot it's not like he was rushing every down either um you know man it's just frustrating but but it's great to see reddick um thriving um, happy, so productive, and boy, does he come off that edge. What I love about Reddick is even when, you know, they finally put him on the edge in Arizona, is how fundamental he is in his angles, in his techniques. Um, I've never seen a Cardinal edge player stifle Russell Wilson the way he did um, in, in, you know, at the end of his time with Arizona. I mean, he let... He helped spearhead two wins against the Seahawks uh, that, that just stifled Russell Wilson because he played outside in on Wilson. He wouldn't let Wilson pop, you know, break contain, and he just took the just perfect angles. Um, so he's very 
technically savvy too. It's not just like he's just this great athlete, you know, storming the edge. Um, but boy, what a season! And yeah, their free agent additions were just uh, really stunning. And um, you know, um, yeah. Other than the, you know, then they had the three good draft picks. Uh, who else did they sign in free agent? I mean, it was just one buzz thing after the other. Um, yeah, I mean, the Brown one wasn't a free agent move, but obviously it was a trade, which if you follow the winding path of that trade, they basically flipped Carson Wentz for A.J. Brown, which at the end of the day, that's a pretty good job on your part oh my to, to flip that. That's highway robbery. I mean, Especially when you have another quarterback like Jalen Hurts already in the building, who is also a second round pick. You're right. So I'm looking at Lindy's magazine. I don't know if you ever buy Lindy's. I love their magazines. Um, and the preseason, okay? Mm-hmm. You know who they have on the hot seat for the Eagles? Would that be uh, Nick Sirianni? Um, no, the player. Oh, what, okay. <laughs> what player? Go back to our original conversation. What player was on the hot Would seat? Would they have on the hot seat? which they have for every team, one player who's really like in a prove-it year. Oh, a prove-it year. Yep. Uh, It's got to be Jalen Hurts. I'm going to guess Jalen Hurts. You're great. You're tremendous. Here's what they said on the hot seat. The Eagles still don't know for sure whether Hurts can be an elite NFL quarterback, but they're hoping this season will provide a clear answer. Ching-ching. Hertz started 15 games last season and ranked seventh in the league in in rushing first downs with 56 and sixth in in rushing touchdowns with 10. But he was inconsistent as a passer, finishing 23rd in third down passing, 82.0, and had only four red zone touchdown passes in his last eight games. Hurst doesn't have a great arm, but it's strong enough. His biggest problems have been anticipation, decision-making, and accuracy. After the season, he went to California to work on his mechanics with quarterback with a quarterback coach. The Eagles are expecting significant improvement from him, especially after trading for another elite pass-catching weapon, wide receiver A.J. Brown. There you go. And, and uh, I think he's probably going to be their quarterback for the next five years. Yeah. And, you know, what Jalen Hurts is proving is the power of dedication, humility, um, resiliency. I mean, the quarterback position in the NFL is, yes, it, so much of it requires talent, physical talents, but the mental toughness that some of these guys like Jalen Hurts. I mean, when you look at Jalen Hurts, what's so profound about him is, you know, how he bounced back from the the humility he suffered being yanked in an NCAA title game for Tua. Then having to be the backup to Tua for most of his season, and then he came back in at the end. You know, he was a, he was a paragon of perseverance and and selflessness. 
-hmm. And then, of course, he transfers to Oklahoma and puts up almost identical numbers to Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. Yeah, would have would have won the Heisman if not for existing in the same season as LSU Joe Burrow. Exactly, and you know, like we were discussing on discussing on Red Rain, Burrow went goes number one, Hertz goes in round two, as you astutely pointed out, um, and was like, was he the fifth? QB taken in that draft. I think you said fifth. I can remember. I know for sure there were four first round quarterbacks, and I think he was the first second round quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, I I mean, the character, the toughness, the ability to galvanize a team, the dedication, the putting team first, the selflessness. I mean. I was using him as a as a model for what I'm hoping Kyler Murray can do with this setback season of his, and um, mm-hmm. you know, because th- this is what it takes. I mean, it just it takes this kind of you know resiliency and 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 you know um, strength of of will and and self belief, and then the eagerness to improve. I mean, to go and say, okay, here are the things I'm going to work on this offseason, like a checklist and come back the way that he did this year. And I mean, in, you know, playing better than he's ever played at any time. I mean, he's playing as mm-hmm. well as he did as at Oklahoma, and they're using him in diverse ways, um, using him for his legs uh, so well. You know, it took a little bit of a toll with the shoulder injury and then, you know, being out a couple games. And, and, uh, but I think that one of the biggest things, curiosity wise, in this game in the Super Bowl is to see how, how Hurts can handle the big lights of this game. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, last year in the playoffs, he had kind of a clunker of a game, but you don't, you know, it was his first playoff um, experience and, Combined with the fact the Eagles didn't belong in the playoffs last year, that team, that team did not belong in the playoffs. They just got there because I think they went like eight and one in one possession games last year. It was was kind of anomaly. And they were playing the defending uh, Super Bowl champs in the first round of the playoffs at Mm -hmm. Tampa Bay. They get beat 31 15. It was a game there for a while. Um, but uh, and that Tampa Bay defense uh, was playing really well at that time. So you know you almost expect that. I mean, like you said, they were on the cusp of getting him. I mean, they were nine and nine overall if you count the playoff loss. So mm-hmm. you know to go from that to Jalen Hurts going sixteen and one. Oh boy, isn't that stunning? Um, and. Like I, there's an interesting part to this, which is, of course, the Eagles are one of the most talented rosters in the NFL. And on the flip side, we've seen a number of quarterbacks with incredibly talented rosters that haven't done what Jalen Hurts has done over, you know, right. this past 
16, 17 weeks. Like it's clear that Jalen Hurts is at the very least worthy of being a starting quarterback in the NFL. Now, if you're stacking him up against Patrick Mahomes in this matchup, everyone's taking Patrick Mahomes in twice on Sunday. But if you stack him up against, say, Kirk Cousins, I think most people are probably going to choose Jalen Hurts, who doesn't complete as many passes as Kirk Cousins and also has the ability to build a a read option running game, uh, RPO offense, uh, play action passes with his legs and do things that other quarterbacks can't do and throw the ball well enough to be able to win. And, you know, the ultimate credit to the Eagles for building an offense that was predicated on their strengths, whether it's Hertz or making Miles Sanders a bell cow, because Miles Sanders got a hundred more carries than any season of his first three this year. Yeah, he got a hundred yeah. more carries than any previous season. And they also kind of saw how the NFL was going to change with defenses dropping back to high safeties and offense being at its second lowest levels in 20 years they kind of saw how that was going to change and all the credit to them for building the perfect offense for Jalen Hurts. They did. And it goes back one year. If you, if you take the matchup of Hurts versus Cousins a year ago, you'd take Cousins. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Right? Not by far, and, but yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, oh, Cousins throw I mean, Cousins has. He's Kirk uh, Cousins. Yeah, he's Kirk yeah. Cousins, which is the 11th best quarterback in the NFL. But I definitely wouldn't have said Jalen Hurts was a top 11 quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, no. Um, definitely not. I mean, he had he had uh, 16 t- passing TDs last year and nine interceptions. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, but he led the team in rushing. And he had 10 rushing touchdowns. So at 5.6 average rushing, he had 784 yards. So, you know, and, and a lot of this, yeah. Give, give I was going to say a lot of, uh, yeah. And yeah. a lot of this comes down to what you were talking about earlier about these quarterback contracts, which is Jalen Hurts is the whatever you said last year, 18th, 19th, 20th best quarterback on the fringes of being a starter. Cool. He's also only making $1.7 million on his contract. And so if he's going to get paid like a low end backup quarterback and play like a starter, you're getting good value. And it allows you to sign Hassan Reddick, trade for AJ Brown and give him a $100 million contract. All of those things are possible because you're getting the quarterback on the rookie deal. And now just take it a step further where you've got a top 10 quarterback making the rookie contract and look at what the Eagles were able to do with that window. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like I, like I said, I mean, it, this was everything they did this off season created the buzz for the organization an ideal buzz. It's like, we're going for it. We're making the moves. They made all the aggressive moves. They crushed it in free agency um, you know, they crushed it with the A.J. Brown trade, which, you know, tightens 
we're still reeling from the Titans uh, fired their general manager the yeah. week after AJ Brown went for 150 yards against them. That shows you how that <laughs> trade went. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Uh, I know. I know. You know, the funniest thing about all of this, you're talking about how the drafts have enabled what the Eagles have done. And somehow the, the most important part of this entire Eagles team that supports your point the most, we haven't even addressed yet, which is the Eagles offensive line. Because oh, in, two, in right. 2017, the Eagles had three Hall of Famers on that offensive line. And you saw right. when you give Nick Foles three Hall of Famers, he can throw 440 passing yards in a Super Bowl right. and average 38 points for a playoff game. Right. And then the next year when they played the Saints in the playoffs, I think it was the divisional playoff with Foles. Right. Uh, Kelsey got hurt. Jason Peters got hurt. And Foles just looked completely unequipped to play quarterback in that right. game. Right. So this year, all five players on the Eagles offensive line had pro football focus grades ranked eighth or better at their position. Uh, yep. Kelsey was second. Lane Johnson was second. Both of them made all pro. Uh, Samalo, I think that's how you say his name. The yeah. right guard was eighth. Landon Dickerson, the left guard, was sixth. Jordan Mailata was fifth at his position. Right. And I'm just going to run through these real quick. Jason Kelsey, zero-star prospect, drafted in the sixth round by the Philadelphia Eagles. Correct. Lane Johnson, fourth-round pick by the Eagles. And he's going to be a no, future Hall of Famer, potentially. Uh, Lane Johnson? Yeah. Hmm. In 2013. Oh, why did I but, say he was a fourth round? You're pick? on there. Keep going. You're on. They're all homegrown. Keep going. It's amazing. Yeah, and then you go to uh, Samalo was a third round pick by the Eagles at right guard. Uh, Landon yeah. Dickerson right. second round pick at left right. guard by the Eagles. Jordan Mailata seventh round pick who had literally never played a snap of high school or college football when he got drafted by the Eagles. <laughs> Yeah, former rugby player. Former rugby player trained yeah. with the international program, got drafted, and he's not going to be a Hall of Famer, but he's a pro bowler this year. So, I mean, what what they've done there is the cog for all of this. Add in Jalen Hurts as a running quarterback. Add in turning Miles Sanders into a bell cow running back. Because the thing that Miles Sanders was known for before this is just he was not Saquon Barkley. Like he was Saquon's backup at Penn State. He took over after Saquon went to the draft. He had a great season at Penn State, but he wasn't Saquon Barkley. Got right. drafted in the second round, which would normally be amazing, except he wasn't Saquon Barkley, who got picked with the second pick in the draft. Like, and then he just had a average first three years. He never had more than 800 rushing yards. And then this year they turned him into a bell cow running back and 1300 yards made a pro bowl. Like what they've done is absolutely incredible to get to this point. Yeah. And like you said, they're 16 and one when Jalen hurts plays quarterback. Yeah. And look at their skill players hurts. Second rounder, 2020 Sanders, second rounder, 2019. Dallas Goddard, the tight end, second rounder, 2018. Uh, they traded Jalen Rager, who was a first rounder in 2020, 
But look at Devonta Smith, who's the great player on their team. Nobody talks about because of all the other guys, but he's as good <laughs> as it gets um, as a wide receiver, you know, like a all purpose wide receiver uh, first round in 21. I mean, cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. I mean, home runs on every one of these picks. Every mm-hmm. offensive lineman, every skill guy, except for Rager. What did they get for him in a trade? I think they got him. They got like a conditional pick from the Vikings, I think. Um, but that what could have been it? just... In, uh, they got a draft They got a draft pick from the Vikings to yeah, flip okay. Jalen Rager. But right. that could have been Justin Jefferson. <laughs> they were one pick away from that being Justin Jefferson. And... Uh, yeah. The crazy thing I realized about Devonta Smith, he's the first Heisman Trophy winning wide receiver in like 34 years. Right, he was the fourth skill or like fourth receiver picked in his class. If you want to count Kyle Pitts as a receiver, fourth right. receiver picked in his class. I don't think yeah. any of the people who were above him are like sad to not have him. Like obviously the Pitts thing <laughs> hasn't been awesome, but. Somehow Heisman Trophy winner, fourth receiver picked, and everyone above him is like, well, he's awesome, but we're not really sad that we didn't pick him because we got Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, and Kyle Pitts. Right. And it's just because Devonta Smith is skinny. Like, that's the only thing. Like, physically, he is not built like these super wide receivers or these super skilled tight end slash receiver hybrids. Like... It's just because right. he weighs basically 180 pounds and he's still this incredible <laughs> wide receiver. It's it's just it's such an right. incredible story. Right. Yep. Yeah. I mean the one Achilles heel for the Eagles, um, draft wise, is they they rarely do well with secondary players. D backs, mm-hmm. you know, like their whole secondary now is like maybe the, with the exception of um, Avante Maddox, the nickel, mm-hmm. they're all guys they had to bring in, you know, Bradbury, uh, CJ uh, Gardner Johnson is yeah, traded for this offseason, yeah, exactly. And um, this is the part that's interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot Darius about him. Too. Slay. Yeah, it was a great trade they made with the Lions. Mm-hmm. But they don't draft well, typically, in the secondary. They they haven't for years. And they're always trying to tap into free agency. But So there, and- there, Eagles. That's your weak spot, your blind spot. But everything else is like, are you kidding Inside linebackers too, they they kind of up and down on. Um, well, and what you're bringing up is a great point that I wanted to touch on, which is the strength of the Eagles and Kansas City is not that the. I mean, their scouting departments are excellent. Obviously, lots of teams have great scouting departments, and it doesn't matter because drafting is often a crapshoot in a lot of these cases. So right. what they what their philosophies have been is just get as many hits on the board as you can possibly get. Just right. keep taking shots at the board and try and hit on these players. And part of the thing that helped them is like, okay, they got a bonus first round pick because the Colts traded for Carson Wentz. 
and they got a bonus first round pick because Doug Peterson tanked that last game to allow Washington to get into the playoffs. So like little things like that helped, but altogether they just keep trading back and back and accumulating shots at the board over and over and over again. And then put them to work and and, uh, Mm -hmm. developing them. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I think every team in the league would have to be envious of the way they, they built this offensive line through the draft. I mean, talk mm-hmm. about crushing the draft for years um, at those positions, um, you know, and, you know, now they have also in the wings of center and Cam Jurgens, who would start on more than half the teams this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, they've, they got other guys that, that they've, they've picked, you know, <laughs> and Andre Dillard, remember him? Yeah. First round pick. <laughs> yeah. Look at it. I mean, he's, <laughs> he's only in his third year. And look at the, look at the talent on that kid. You know, so they they addressed addressed it there too. I mean, Jake is unbelievable. And you know how they got him? They traded back in the first round. That's how they ended up getting Dillard and a whole bunch of other draft picks. And yeah, and they they have another tackle, Jack Driscoll. I've always kind of liked they got in a fourth round in 2020. I mean, they're deep with draft picks. <laughs> and they've got more coming. They've got the saints pick in this year's draft in the top 10. <laughs> they are, uh, they are right. Oh. Dra- I, I don't know if it's in the top 10 anymore, but it's a top 15 pick or something. It's, Oh, please go away. I know. They are, they are ripe with draft picks, man. And look, right. Philadelphia I mean, like all of this stuff points to why they're favorites against Kansas City in the Super Bowl. You also mentioned teams who are envious of them being able to draft offensive linemen. Kansas City's definitely envious because if they had had that luck, they would have probably won another Super Bowl a couple of years ago against Tampa. Right. And yeah. like that is that is the excellence of Philadelphia. And like for all of the all of the talk about rookies and young players filling the ranks for Philadelphia, it gives them the flexibility to go get these players. And this is what the, this is what the hard reset of two years did. They don't have people taking up dead cap. Like that's the reason the saints are $60 million over the salary cap. They don't have people taking up dead cap space. They don't have people who are, even when they make bad picks like Jalen Rager, or you could argue Dillard, even though he's been fine, he's not really a huge impact player. Like when you have those mess ups like that, they don't hurt you because you can just write them off and move on because you have two, three guys in the ranks. And I think that's a big player development thing more than anything else. It's, it's right. why the Patriots were able to sustain for so many years is because they knew exactly what kind of players they wanted to do what particular role they could get them for cheap. And then once they maximized their ability, they could flip them to another team or let them walk in free agency and find another player to do something similar. Right. And the the teams who have the confidence that they can do that or replicate that, those are the ones that you should bet on to for example, go to five consecutive AFC championship games. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Kansas, Kansas City's doing some of the same stuff. You mentioned all those young players and like 
look, once those players actually become impact guys, that's going to be a scary proposition. Because if you can give Kansas City a top 10 defense, game over, (laughs) game over. The only time Mahomes has had a top 10 defense, they won the Super Bowl. So, you know, that'll that'll change the game. But same idea, like they knew that this was coming and they I mean, I keep saying this all the time in one offseason, they got rid of Tariq Hill, Daniel Sorensen, uh, De- uh, Tyran Matthew, Charverius Ward. There's someone else I keep forgetting. Oh, uh, Byron Pringle and those receivers that were also on the team. Like all of them leave in one offseason, fundamental pieces right. of the four year run. And they were able to have a better record, <laughs> make the Super Bowl again. It's it's pretty interesting to watch that happen because they recognized they needed the pivot. They did it. And because they have this incredible offense, they were able to give their defensive players time to grow and give some of their offensive players time to grow. Right. Yep. Now the Chiefs, guess how many of their five offensive linemen they drafted? Uh let me Sorry. see. I think it's I think it's two because I yes. know they have yeah. It's um it's uh Creed Humphrey at center right. and uh Trey Smith at guard. Correct. You're fantastic. What a nerd. A yeah. yeah. Nerd. You are Which, fantastic. But Kansas City, yeah. That one's that one was easy to know just because I remember after the Super Bowl, they're like, we are trading a first round pick for Orlando Brown. We are giving Joe Tooney a giant contract. And I think um, the guy from the Colts is their right tackle now. Oh, is he? I, in my mind, I recognize that like Eric Fisher went to the Colts and the Colts right. old right tackle came to Kansas City, I think. Oh, okay. I, what is it? I think Blythe maybe is his name. I'm trying to remember. Um, it- anyways, they, I know they signed their right tackle. Is it Andrew Wiley? Yes, that's who it is. It's Andrew Wiley. Yeah, he was a right free agent in 2018. Was an undrafted um, signee by the Colts in 2017. So yeah, you you caught that one too. So you know, but two out of five ain't bad either these days. It's very unusual when teams hit a home run on every one of their. Uh, offensive line draft picks. Um, that's just so amazingly um, um, and remarkable on their part. It's just it's a testament to their organization. Yeah. So, um, all right. Well, so you're picking KC, right? I'm picking KC. I'm going to say it's like 27-24 with like a Butker field goal to end the game. (laughs) Kind of like the last time they played. Yeah. Yeah. I'm picking the Eagles because I feel like they're stronger all the way around. But I'm nervous about it. Mm -hmm. And I'm going back and forth in my mind. Wondering whether I should, but uh, I'm in a I'm in a um, in a competition at Revenge of the Birds, uh, which uh, is pick three um, all season long, pick three versus the spread, and um, 
So we had to, this is the last week we had to pick the Super Bowl and they're, they're tight competitions. I don't, I'm not, I run the thing. So I'm not, even though I'm ahead, I'm not going to win a prize. So I'll, I'll, I give the prizes out myself. Uh, first, first place is a Cardinals mini helmet. Second place is a um, Cardinals t-shirt um, with the, with the helmet on it. And then third place is a Cardinals um, keychain. Um, but, you know, I had to make my pick and I was like, uh, um, but I took the Eagles and the points, um, uh, you know, to, to win. And I'm very, very nervous about it. I, I just, you know, I can see how Mahomes would prevail in this game, but there's something about the Eagles that's smacks of destiny, um, that I can't get out of my, my head. And, uh, and just how good they are every position. I mean, there's no weakness in that team, right? Do you see any weakness at all in that team? I think that the weakness is the linebacking core. Like, But I don't know if that's necessarily a problem other than like when they were playing San Francisco, they can't put a spy on Christian right. McCaffrey the same way that the Cowboys could the week before. Right. And you know, a similarly, a similarly built defense predicated on pass rush secondary weak in the linebacking core. Uh, That was like Jacksonville when Travis Kelsey had 14 catches and two touchdowns. So like the thing that I keep saying about this and like, I think people kind of underrate this part of it because you see the names, you see the position groups, you see what they do well. Kansas City can do whatever they want on offense, and they've been able to do literally whatever they want on offense for years now. As long as Patrick Mahomes doesn't turn the ball over, they're going to be in every single game that they play. And even when he does turn the ball over, they'll still have a chance at the end as long as they can get, you know, a Chris Jones sack or a turnover or whatever. So, yeah, I I think the the whole key of the game is the pressure that the Eagles will have to get on Mahomes. That's the key of the game. I mean, if if they can't get enough pressure on him and Mahomes can connect, I don't think they win. But seeing as they have, I mean, that's the other thing. I mean, the Eagles are deep in pass rushers. Oh, my gosh. But here's the, here's the sneaky part about this. The pass rushing at the end of the day probably won't matter. Because, and I said this when Mahomes got injured going into the Cincinnati game, it's when people are like, oh, he's going to be injured, so he'll be more of a quote-unquote pocket passer. People are looking at it with the wrong questions because what's going to happen is if Mahomes can't be mobile, they're going to go to the Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers offense, which is two and a half seconds, ball is out. Snap to throw, two and a half seconds, ball is out. Pass rush is not going to have a chance to get to him because it's going to be two seconds, balls out. Two seconds, balls out. Short play to Juju, short play to Tony. Screen pass to the running back. Those are going to be the types of plays that they build out in the offense. And from 25 to 25 yard line, I don't think any defense can stop Kansas City when they run that offense or run most of their offense. Um, the difference is going to be getting field goals instead of touchdowns. Right. Well, that's an interesting way to look at it. Uh, but I always feel like the special thing about Kansas City is Mahomes extending plays. And 
I think that the Eagles are going to make that difficult on them, more mm -hmm. difficult than most teams. So, but yeah, I mean, if they can just play pitch and catch all day, just you know, get rid of the ball fast. Um, then again, you're going to have some resistance there from, you know, two really good corners, and um, you know, so yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I think it's going to be a fascinating game in so many levels. Um, but I, I, the most fascinated I am with this game is to see how Jalen Hurts holds up under pressure and uh, how Mahomes handles one of the elite defenses in the league. Um, and, um, yeah, in Glendale, <laughs> Arizona. And uh, if the red confetti's coming down, you'll be the first I think of, and um, <laughs> and get super pissed. Maybe they'll be nice. Maybe they'll change the color. They'll they'll go with a generic like uh, red, white, and blue, or like a blue and white no, color. They're going red, man. They're going red. <laughs> but but if the Eagles win, does that mean they're going green? Is that how they're going to do that? Yeah. Or oh, absolutely. Okay. Just, yeah. I mean, I guess the NFL doesn't need to save expenses. I was just thinking maybe they just choose a neutral color to uh, make it not so strange when they win the Super Bowl. Like, I think they did red and blue when Tampa won the Super Bowl. So I think they, they were kind of planning oh, on that no matter what. I don't know. I'm just trying to remember oh. what it was, but yeah. it would be it would be funny to see that the shower, the, the, a red and white shower of confetti in in Arizona for right. not the Cardinals. Yeah. And, well. Yeah. I'll put it this way: I'm just gonna think of you if I see red and, <laughs> and your whole theory of red and. Speaking of red, there's Cardinals news coming over the line. I've got to jump off. Oh, um, all right. Um, yeah, some coaching signings, assistant coaches, and then there's a report from Ian Rappaport. Yeah, um, the, the um, their defensive yeah. line coach went to the Texans. Yeah, I really liked him too. Um, and then they they're meeting with Lou Anarumo today, so. Um, got a busy day kind of trying to keep track of that but thank you so much for having me on what a thrill um i love this week every year we we get together for this and i'm really excited about the game and you know um i enjoyed your takes on it and you got the uh you got the chiefs i got the eagles we'll see who wins yeah, we're gonna bet on red and double down. That's that's the philosophy. Always oh, bet on red. Down now. Okay. All right. Well, I've I've been doubling down the past five years. I I keep I could go further with this. My entire principled philosophy of Kansas City's the best dynasty we've seen fell apart in one AFC Championship game last year. But they're gonna win fifteen division titles in sixteen years, and we're gonna look up. And it's. It's probably not going to win as many as the Patriots, but it's going to be basically the closest thing we've seen to the Patriots ever. Wow. Okay. Well, <laughs> they only have one ring. This could be their second. It's so really, I keep telling there. people this. It's really hard to win two championships in four years. It's a really hard Correct. thing to do. <laughs> so really hard to win one championship. Just ask the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah. The people Actually, are... They they have won 
way back in 1947. They're the longest drought of any yes. know, Super Bowl team that was, you know, a, a team when the Super Bowl started. So, yeah, but um, hey, enjoy the game. And, and uh, thanks again for having me on. And we'll uh, get together next week and, and uh, you know, see how it all, all uh, came out. Absolutely. Enjoy yourself, Walter. Thanks, pal. Thanks again. And we'll talk to you soon.